Yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And the train is building up ahead of steam. So grab your ticket. It's free. Get on board. This train will be picking up passengers along the way. Taking you on a sports journey. So, enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. It is Saturday afternoon, and we have a lot to get to. Of course, yesterday, you know, there was the passing of another baseball legend, and it seems like if you listen to sports talk radio like I do, seem like that's the norm now. If not every week or every other week, seem like there's the report of a great legend passing away. There was Don Sutton, and now on yesterday we learned of the passing of the hammer or hammering Hank or bad Henry or number 44 Hank Aaron he was a right fielder and first baseman batted right throw right 6 foot 180 pounds Born February the 5th, 1934 in Mobile, Alabama. Died January 22nd, 2021. Went to high school at Allen Institute, Mobile, Alabama. His professional debut, April 13th, 1954. He was age 20. Burst of Cincinnati. Five at bat, zero hits, zero home runs, zero RBI, zero stolen bases. Last game was October the 3rd, 1976, age 42. Versus Detroit, three at bats, one hit, no home runs, one RBI, no stolen bases. Hall of Fame inducted as player in 1982, voted by the BBWAA, which is the Baseball Writers Association, owned 406 of 415 ballots. So he was very popular. His rookie status exceeded rookie limits during the 1954 season. Pool name Henry Lewis Aaron. Nicknames Hammer, Hammer and Hank. Or Bad Henry. Some of his career stats at bats 12,364 at bats with 3,771 hits, 755 home runs, 
a batting average of 305. Runs 2,174, RBIs 2,297, 240 stolen bases. His OBP was, which is on base percentage, is 374. His slugging percentage, 555. His OPS, 928, and his OPS plus 155. And what more can we tell you about Hank Aaron? Because this first segment is going to be dedicated to Hank Aaron. Was an American baseball professional. Baseball right fielder who played 23 seasons in the major league from 1954 through 1976. He spent 21 seasons with the Milwaukee slash Atlanta Braves in the National League and two seasons with the Milwaukee Brewers in the American League. Aaron is regarded as one of the greatest baseball players of all time. His 755 home runs broke the long-standing Major League Baseball record set by Babe Ruth and stood as the most for 35 years. Aaron still holds many other Major League Baseball records. He hit 24 or more home runs every year from 1955 through 1973 and is one of only two players to hit 30 or more home runs in a season at least 15 times. In 1999, the Sporting News ranked Aaron fifth on its list of 100 greatest baseball players. In 1962, he was, in 1982, he was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. Aaron was born and raised in and around Mobile, Alabama. Aaron had seven siblings, including Tommy Aaron, who played Major League Baseball with him. He appeared briefly in the Negro American League and in Minor League Baseball before starting his Major League career. By his Major League Baseball, by his final Major League Baseball season, Aaron was the last Negro League baseball player on a major league roster. Aaron played the vast majority of his MLB games in right field, though he appeared at several other infield and outfield positions in his last two seasons. He was primarily a designated hitter. Aaron was an National League All-Star for 20 seasons and an American League All-Star for one season, and he holds the record for most All-Star selections, 25 while sharing the record for most All-Star games played, 24, with Willie Mays and Stan Musil. He was a three-time Gold Glove winner, and in 1957, he won the National League Most Valuable Player Award when the Milwaukee Braves won the World Series. Aaron holds the MLB records for most career runs batted in, RBIs, 2,297, extra base hits, 1,477, and total bases, 6,856. Aaron is also in the top five for career hits, 3,771, and runs 2,174. He is one of only four players to have at least 17 seasons with 150 or more hits. Aaron is in second place in home runs, 755, and at bats, 12,364, and in third place in games played, 3,298. At the time of his retirement, Aaron held most of the game's key 
career power hitting records. After his retirement, Aaron held front office roles with the Atlanta Braves, including senior vice president. In 1988, Aaron was inducted into the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame. In 1999, MLB inducted introduced the Hank Aaron Award to recognize the top offensive players in each league. He was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2002. He was named a 2010 Georgia trustee by the Georgia Historical Society in recognition of accomplishments that reflect the ideals of Georgia's founders. Aaron resided near Atlanta until his death. His early life. Aaron was born in Mobile, Alabama to Herbert Aaron Sr. and Estella Pritchett Aaron. He had seven siblings. Tommy Aaron, one of his brothers, also went to play Major League Baseball. By the time Aaron retired, he and his brother held the record for most career home runs by a pair of siblings, 768. They were also the first siblings to appear in a league championship series as teammates. While he was born in a section of Mobile, Mobile referred to as Down the Bay, he spent most of his youth in Tumanville. Aaron grew up in a poor family. His family could not afford baseball equipment, so he practiced by hitting bottle caps with sticks. He would create his own bat and balls out of materials he found on the streets. His boyhood idol was baseball star Jackie Robinson. Aaron attended Central High School as a freshman and a sophomore. Like most high schools, they did not have organized baseball, so he played outfield and third base for the Mobile Black Bears, a semi-pro team. Aaron was a member of the Boy Scouts of America. Although he batted cross-handed as a right as a right-handed hitter with his left hand above his right, Aaron established himself as a power hitter. As a result, in 1949 at the age of 15, Aaron had his first try with the Major League Baseball franchise, the Brooklyn Dodgers. However, he did not make the team. After this, Aaron returned to school to finish his secondary education, attending the Josephine Allen Institute, a private high school in Alabama. He also attended Central High School in Mobile, Alabama. During his junior year, Aaron first joined Pritchard Athletics, an independent Negro League team followed by the Mobile Black Bears, another independent Negro League team. While on the Bears, Aaron earned $3 per game, $99 today, which was a dollar more than he got while on the athletics. Negro League and minor league career. On November 20th, 1951, baseball scout Ed Scott signed Aaron to a contract on behalf of the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro American League, where he played for three months. He played as a six foot, 180 pound shortstop and earned $200 per month. As a result of his standout play with the Indianapolis Clowns, Aaron received two offers from MLB teams via Telegram, one from the New York Giants and the other from the Boston Braves. 
years later, Aaron remembered. He said, I had the Giants contract in my hand, but the Braves offered $50 a month more. That's the only thing that kept Willie Mays and me from being teammates, $50. While with the Clowns, he experienced racism. Of a time his team was in Washington, D.C., Aaron recalled. We had breakfast while we were waiting for the train to stop, and I can still envision sitting with the clowns in a restaurant behind Griffin Stadium and hearing them break all the plates in the kitchen after we finished eating. What a horrible sound. Even as a kid, the irony of it hit me. Here we were in the capital, in the land of freedom and equality, and they had to destroy the plates that had touched the forks that had been in the mouths of black men. If dogs had eaten off those plates, they'd have washed them. The House Sports Bureau credits Aaron with a 366 batting average in 26 official Negro League games with five home runs, 33 runs batting in RBIs, 41 hits, and nine stolen bases. The Braves purchased Aaron's contract from the Clowns for $10,000, which GM John Quinn thought was a steal, as he stated that he felt that Aaron was a $100,000 property. On June 12, 1952, Aaron signed with the Braves scout Dewey Griggs. During this time, he picked up the name Pork Chops, the nickname Pork Chops, because it was the only thing I knew to order off the menu, a teammate later said. The man ate pork chops three meals a day, two for breakfast. The Braves assigned Aaron to the Eau Claire Bears, the Braves' Northern League Class C farm team in 1950. The 1952 season proved to be very beneficial for Aaron. Playing in the infield, Aaron continued to develop as a baseball, as a ball player, and made the Northern League's all-star team. He broke his habit of hitting cross-handed and adopted the standard hitting technique. By the end of the season, he had performed so well that the league made him the unanimous choice for Rookie of the Year. Although he appeared in just 87 games, he scored 89 runs, had 116 hits, 9 runs, and 61 RBIs. In addition, Aaron hit for a 336 batting average. During his minor league experience, he was very homesick and faced constant racism but his brother Herbert Jr. told him not to give up the opportunity. In 1953, the Braves promoted him to the Jacksonville Braves, their Class A affiliate in the South Atlantic League. Helped by Aaron's performance, the Braves won the league championship that year. Aaron led the league in runs 115, hits 208, doubles 36, RBIs 125, Total bases 338 and batting average 362. He won the league's most valuable player award and had such a dominant year that one sports writer was prompted to say Henry Aaron led the league in everything except hotel accommodations. Aaron's time with the Braves did not come without problems. He was one of the first African Americans to play in the league. The 1950s were a period of racial segregation in parts of the United States especially the southeastern portion of the country. When Aaron traveled from Jacksonville, Florida, in the surrounding areas, he was often separated from his team because of Jim Crow laws. 
In most circumstances, the team was responsible for arranging housing and meals for its players, but Aaron often had to make his own arrangements. The Braves manager, Ben Jaragthi, tried his best to help Aaron own and off the field. Former Braves minor league player and sports writer Pat Jordan said, Aaron gave Jaragthi much of the credit for his own swift rise to stardom. That same year, Aaron met his future wife, Barbara Lucas. The night they met, Lucas decided to attend the Braves game. Aaron singled, doubled, and hit a home run in the game. On October 6, Aaron Lucas, Aaron and Lucas married. In 1958, Aaron's wife noted that during the offseason, he liked to sit and watch those shooting westerns. He also enjoyed cooking and fishing. Aaron also spent the winter in 1953 playing in Puerto Rico. Mickey Owen, the team's manager, helped Aaron with his batting stance until then. Aaron had his most had hit most pitches to the left field or center field, but after working with Owen, Aaron was able to hit the ball more effectively all over the field. During his stay in Puerto Rico, Owen also helped Aaron transition from second base to the outfield. Aaron had not played well at second base, but Owen noted that Aaron could catch fly balls and throw them well from the outfield to the infield. Spent in Puerto Rico also allowed Aaron to avoid being drafted into military service. Though the Korean War was over, people were still being drafted. The Braves were able to speak to the draft board, making the case that Aaron could be the player to integrate the Southern Association the following season with the Atlanta Crackers. The board appears to have been convinced as Aaron was not drafted. So tell you what I'm going to do right here. I'm going to take a pause. And when I come back, I'm going to finish this article on Hank Aaron. Rest in peace. Listen to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, your conductor, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. (music) 
Welcome back to my next segment. And as promised, going to get back into this report on Hank Aaron, who passed away upon yesterday, which would be January the 22nd. And now to get back to the article here at hand, now we will look at his Major League Baseball career. In 1954, Aaron attended spring training with Major League Club. Although he was on the roster of his farm club, Milwaukee manager Charlie Grimm later stated from the start, he did so well, I knew we were going to have to carry him. On March 13, 1954, Milwaukee Braves left fielder Bobby Thomas fractured his ankle while sliding into second base during a spring training game. Next day, Aaron made his first spring training start for the Braves Major League team playing in the left field, and hitting a home run. This led Hank Aaron to a major league contract, signed on the final day of spring training, and a Braves uniform with the number five. On April 13, Aaron made his major league debut and was hitless in five at-bats against the Cincinnati Reds left-hander Joe Nuxall. In the same game, Eddie Matthews hit two home runs, the first of a record 863 home runs the pair would hit as a team, as teammates. On April 15, Aaron collected his first major league hit, a double off Cardinals pitcher Vic Rashi. Aaron hit his first major league home run on April 23rd, also off Rashi. Over the next 122 games, Aaron batted 280 with 13 homers before he suffered a fractured ankle on September 5th. He then changed his number to 44, which would turn out to look like a lucky number for the slugger. Aaron would hit 44 home runs in four different seasons, and he hit his record-breaking 715th career home run off Dodgers pitcher Al Downing, who coincidentally also wore number 44. At this point, Aaron was known to family and friends primarily as Henry. Braves Public Relations Director Don Davison, observing Aaron's quiet, reserved nature, began referring to him publicly as Hank in order to suggest more accessibility. The nickname quickly gained currency, but Henry continued to be cited frequently in the media, both sometimes appearing in the same article and Aaron would answer to either one. During his rookie year, his other well-known nicknames, Hammer and Hank by teammates and Bad Henry by opposing pitchers, are reported to have risen. Considerably later in his career, Aaron coined Stonefingers, which would prove a popular handle for one of baseball's more colorful characters, the famously distance-hitting but defensively challenged first baseman Dick Stewart, reportedly delighting even its recipient. Sal McGow recommended throwing low curveballs to Aaron. He's going to swing and he'll go after almost anything, McGow said, of the brave slugger. And he'll hit almost anything. So you have to be careful. So the prime of his career, Aaron hit 314 with 27 home runs. And 106 RBIs in 1955. He was named to the 
NL All-Star roster for the first time. It was the first of a record 21 All-Star selections and the first of a record 25 All-Star game appearances. In 1956, Aaron hit 328 and captured the first of two NL batting titles. He also he was also named the Sporting News National League Player of the Year. In 1957, Aaron won his National League MVP award as he had his first brush with the Triple Crown. He batted 322, placing third. He led the league in home runs and runs batted in. On September 23, 1957, in Milwaukee, Aaron hit a two-run walk-off home run against the St. Louis Cardinals, clinching the pennant for the Braves. After touching home plate, he was carried off the field by his teammates. It was the only pennant clinching walk-off home run in Major League history in a non-playoff regular season game. Milwaukee went on to win the World Series against the New York Yankees, the defending champions, four games to three. Aaron did his part by batting 393 with three homers and seven RBIs on December 15, 1957. His wife, Barbara, gave birth to twins. Two days later, one of the children died. In 1958, Aaron hit 326 with 30 home runs and 95 RBIs. He led the Braves to another pennant, but this time they lost a seven-game World Series to the Yankees. Aaron finished third in the MVP race, and he received his first of three Gold Gloves awards. During the next several years, Aaron had some of his best games and best seasons as a major league player. On June 21, 1959, against the San Francisco Giants, he hit two home runs. It was all. It was the only time in his career that he hit three home runs in a game. In 1963, Aaron nearly won the Triple Crown. He led the league with 44 home runs and 130 RBIs and finished third in batting average. In that season, Aaron became the third player to steal 30 bases and hit 30 home runs in a single season. Despite that, he again finished third in the MVP voting. The Braves moved from Milwaukee to Atlanta after the 1965 season. On May 10, 1967, he hit an inside the park home run against Jimmy Bunning in Philadelphia. It was on it was his only inside the park home run of his career. In 1968, Aaron was the first Atlanta Braves player to hit his 500th career home run. And in 1970, he was the first Atlanta Braves to reach 3,000 career hits. During his days in Atlanta, Aaron reached several milestones. He was the only he was only the eighth player ever to hit 500 career home runs, with his 500 coming against Mike McCormick of the San Francisco Giants on July 14, 1968. Exactly one year after former Milwaukee Braves teammate Eddie Matthews had hit his 500. Aaron was, at the time, the second youngest player to reach the milestone. On July 31, 1969, Aaron hit his 537th home run, passing Mickey Mantle's total. This moved Aaron into third place on the career home run list after Willie Mays and Babe Ruth. At the end of the 1959 season, Aaron again finished third in the MVP voting. In 1970, Aaron reached two more career milestones. On March 17, 
Aaron collected his 3,000th hit in a game against the Cincinnati Reds, the team against which he played in his first major league game. Aaron established the record for most seasons for most seasons with 30 or more home runs in the National League on April 27, 1971. Aaron hit his 600th career home run, the third major league player ever to do so. On July 13th, Aaron hit a home run in the All-Star game, played at Detroit's Tiger Stadium for the first time. He hit his 40th home run of the season against the Giants, Jerry Johnson, on August 10th, which established a National League record for most seasons with 40 or more home runs, seven. At age 37, he hit a career high 47 home runs during the season, along with a career high 669 slugging percentage and finished third in MVP voting for the sixth time. During the strike-shortened season of 1972, Aaron tied and then surpassed Willie Mays for second place on the career home run list. Aaron also drove in the 2000th run of his career and hit a home run in the first All-Star game played in Atlanta. As the year came to a close, Aaron broke Stan Musial's major league record for total bases, 6,134, a record he was the most proud of more than his home run record since it reflected his overall performance as a team player. Aaron finished the season with 637 career runs. Breaking Ruth's record, Aaron himself downplayed the chase to surpass Babe Ruth. While baseball enthusiasts and national media grew increasingly excited as he closed in on the 714 career home runs record. Aaron received thousands of letters every week during the summer of 1973, including hate mail. The Braves ended up hiring a secretary to help him sort through it. Aaron then, age 39, hit 40 home runs and 392 at-bats, ending the 1973 season one home run short of the record. He hit home run number 713 on September the 29th, 1973, and with one day remaining in the season, many expected him to tie the record. But in his final game that year, playing against the Houston Astros, managed by Lou DeRocher, who had once roomed with Babe Ruth, he was unable to achieve this. After the game, Aaron said his only fear was that he might not live to see the 1974 season. He was the recipient of death threats and a large assortment of hate mail during the 1973-74 offseason from people who did not want to see Hank Aaron break Ruth's nearly sacrosanct home run record. The threats extended to those providing positive press coverage of Aaron. Lewis Grizzard, then executive sports editor for the Atlanta Journal, reported receiving Numerous phone calls calling journalists nigger lovers covering Aaron's chase while preparing the massive coverage of the home run record. He quietly had an obituary written, afraid that Aaron might be murdered. Sports Illustrated pointedly summarized the race's viral vitriol that Aaron was forced to endure. In this to be the year in which Aaron, at the age of 39, takes a moonwalk above one of the most hollowed individual records in American sport? Or will it be remembered as the season in which 
Aaron, the most dignified of athletes, was besieged with hate mail and trapped by the cobwebs and goblins that lurk in baseball's attic. At the end of the 1973 season, Aaron received a plaque from the U.S. Postal Service for receiving more mail, 930,000 pieces, than any person excluding politicians. Aaron received an outpouring of public support in response to the bigotry. Newspaper cartoonist Charles Schultz created a series of peanuts strips printed in August 1973 in which Snoopy attempted to break the Ruth record only to be besieged with hate mail. Lucy says in August 11th strip, Hank Aaron is a great player, but you, if you break Babe's Ruth record, it'll be a disgrace. Coincidentally, Snoopy was only one hummer on short of tying the record and finished the season as such when Charlie Brown got picked off during Snoopy's last at bat. And as it turned out, Aaron finished the 1973 season one home run, one home run short of Ruth. Babe Ruth's widow, Claire Hodgson, denounced the racism and declared that her husband would have enthusiastically, enthusiastically cheered Aaron's attempt at the record. As the 1974 season began, Aaron's pursuit of the record caused a small controversy. The Braves opened the season on the road in Cincinnati with a three-game series against the Cincinnati Reds. Braves management wanted him to break the record in Atlanta and were therefore going to have Aaron sit out the first three games of the season. But baseball commissioner Bowie Coon ruled that he had to play two games in the first series. He played two out of three, tying Babe's record on April 4, 1974. In his very first at-bat on his first swing of the season off Reds pitcher Jack Billingham, but did not hit another home run in the series. The Braves returned to Atlanta on April 8, 1974. A crowd of 53,775 people showed up for the game. A Braves attendance record. The game was also broadcast nationally on NBC in the on NBC. In the fourth inning, Aaron hit a home run. Hit home run number 715 off Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Al Downing. Although Dodgers outfielder Bill Buckner nearly went over the outfield fence trying to catch it, the ball flew into the Braves' bullpen where relief pitcher Tommy House caught it. While cannons were fired in celebration, two college students sprinted onto the field and jogged alongside Aaron for part of his circus, his circuit around the bases, temporarily startling him. A young Craig Sager actually interviewed Aaron between third and home for a television station, WXLT, now WWSB Channel 40 in Sarasota. As the fans cheered wildly, Aaron's parents ran onto the field as well. Braves announcers Milo Hamilton, calling the game on WSB radio, described the scene as Aaron broke the record. Henry Aaron, in the second inning, walked and scored. He's sitting on 714. Here's the pitch by Downing, swinging. There's a drive into left center field. The ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 715. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. The fireworks are going. Henry Aaron is coming around third. His teammates are at the home plate. And listen to this crowd. 
Meanwhile, Dodgers broadcaster Vin Scully addressed the racial tension or apparent lack thereof in his call of the home run. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking the record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. And for the first time in a long time, that poker face in Aaron shows the tremendous strain and relief of what it must have been like to live with for the past several months. And then there was his return to Milwaukee. On October the 2nd, 1974, Aaron hit his 733rd home run in his last at bat as a Braves player. Aaron commented after the game that it was his last time as a player in Atlanta and his contract had expired. He considered retirement. He said that he was willing to return while he considered retirement, he said that he was willing to return to baseball for another year. He had also said that he would be interested in serving as a team's general manager, someone who would make decisions and not a houseboy. The Braves offered Aaron a position with the team when he retired, but the role would be more in public relations rather than one where he could evaluate talent. At the end of the season, Aaron, who had prior relationships with Brewers owner Bud Selig, requested a trade to Milwaukee. He was acquired by the Milwaukee Brewers for Dave May 31 days later on November 2nd. Minor league right-handed pitcher Roger Alexander was sent to the Braves to complete the transaction at the winter meetings one month later on December 2nd. Trade reunited Aaron with former teammate Dave Crandall who was now managing the Brewers. He signed a two-year contract with the Brewers for $240,000 per year. Playing in the American League would allow Aaron to serve as a designated hitter rather than play in the field. On May 1st, 1975, Aaron broke baseball's all-time RBI record, previously held by Ruth for 2,213. That year, he also played in his last and 24th All-Star Game, 25th All-Star Game selection. He lined out to Dave Concepcion as a pinch hitter in the second inning. This all-star game, like the first one he played in and played in 1955, was before a home crowd at Milwaukee County Stadium. Aaron hit his 755th and final home run on July the 20th, 1976, at Milwaukee County Stadium of Dick Drago for the California Angels, which stood as the Major League Baseball home run record until it was broken in 2007 by Barry Bonds. Over the course of his record-breaking 23-year career, Aaron had a batting average of of 305 with 163 hits a season, while averaging just over 32 home runs and 99 RBIs a year. He had 100-plus RBIs in a season 15 times, including a record 13 in a row. And there you have 
pretty much the scoop on Hank Aaron. Stay tuned as I have more to come as we will look at the last four remaining quarterbacks in the NFL playoffs. Stay tuned to A-Train Sports Talk Podcast as this train is still building up ahead of steam. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com That's www.c-a-k-e-y-b-u-m-s.com www.cakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. So, welcome back to my final segment, and... Get you ready for the playoffs. This is not going to be an extended segment. But I am going to attempt to take a look at the quarterback positioning. We're going to start in the NFC because we have the old men, so to speak. Tom Brady on the season, 4,633 yards, 40 touchdowns, tied for second in the league, 12 interceptions, tied for 28th, a QBR of 92.5, tied for ninth. That's what he has done for the season. His counterpart, And keep in mind, Brady's doing this at the age of 42 years old, 43 years old, something like that. What about his counterpart who would be going up against? Well, that would be Aaron Rodgers. If we can pull up his stats and see.
and we are working on that right now. As we scroll through, and we will do it like this as we will get the complete list. And Aaron Rodgers on the season. Four thousand two hundred ninety-nine yards, seventh place, forty-eight TDs, first place. NFC Championship game happening on Sunday. You got hate it when that happens. Forty-eight TDs, five interceptions, tied for first QBR. First, 84.3. So you have the old men that know how to play the game. What's amazing about this, you're looking at Aaron Rodgers, 37 years old, 6'2", 225. Tom Brady, 42 years old, I do believe. That's a lot of experience, a lot of age in that game alone. Then you look on the AFC side and you have the young men that are playing in that game. You have Patrick Mahomes. The ripe old tender age of 25 years old. I'm getting sick of that right there. He comes out this year, 4,740 yards, 38 TDs, six interceptions, a QBR of 82.9. His counterpart, Josh Allen, I can just go ahead and give you a full breakdown on his season. 396 completions out of 572 attempts for a completion percentage of 69.2%. 4,544 yards. At roughly 284 yards a game. 37 TDs on against 10 interceptions. A QBR of 81.6 and a rating of 107.2. So when you look at these teams that are left in the playoffs, your Green Bays, your Tampa Bays, your Kansas City Chiefs, your Buffalo Bills, it starts with the man that's pulling the trigger. But these teams also have some weapons to go along with the quarterback. You look at Buffalo's makeup. They have Cole Beasley. They have Stephon Diggs. You look at Kansas City. And what do they have at their disposal? They have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Number 
Le'Veon Bell. You look at Green Bay, and the reason I think Green Bay will knock off Tampa Bay, even though I know Tom Brady has been has been to it all, has seen it all, has played it all. If it comes down to who has the better running game, and the running game plays a factor in that game, I would definitely have to go with Green Bay based on Aaron Jones and his 1,100-plus yard season, which gives Aaron an extra added weapon outside the passing game. Because Aaron put up some good numbers, 48 passing yards, but when you have a lethal running attack as well, that gives you a double-edged sword. If it comes down to the running game, I'm definitely going with the Green Bay Packers. So, What's my final analogy as I look at this whole situation as it plays out? I'm taking Green Bay five and a half over Tampa Bay. Kansas City, I'm giving four and a half. In other words, we will see January 15th, 1967 rematch played out this year. And and to, you know, shed some more light on the Russian attack. Let's just take a look. Because Aaron Jones put some numbers. 14 games played, 201 attempts, 1,104 yards, averaging 5.5 yards a carry. Nine touchdowns, 78.9 yards a game. Only one fumble. It's pretty good. Pretty good ground game, if you ask me. What is the rushing attack like for the other teams? Well, their running backs aren't even on the list. I do not see Leonard Fournette's name on here. Matter of fact, these are the top 25 rushers. Well, let me see. Ronald Jones for Tampa Bay. Comes in at 12. Played in 14 games, 192 attempts, 978 yards, 5.1 yards a carry. That's not too shabby. Uh, Looked like six touchdowns. No, seven touchdowns. They may have a formidable ground attack uh when you look at buffalo you don't see none of their players on this list i ever for kansas city you got clyde edwards hilaire with 803 yards 4.4 yards a carry four tds 61.8 yards a game But when you look at Kansas City, though, they also have that extra add dimension of 
if healthy enough, Patrick Mahomes can also beat you with his legs. Same also with Josh Allen. Buffalo is the one team that doesn't really have a dangerous running game, running attack. Like I said, their dual threat comes in the form of Josh Allen. Now, if you want to look at receiving-wise, here's where it gets interesting. Stephon Diggs, Buffalo. 127 receptions, 166 targets, 1,535 yards, 12.1 yards average, eight touchdowns, 95.9 yards a game. That's the top receiver in the NFL right now. But who's the second? How about this? Travis Kelsey, tight end. I say he's a wide receiver wrapped in a tight end's body. Because he's so big and fast and get open. 105 receptions. 1,416 yards, 13.5 average, 11 touchdowns, 94.4 yards, only one fumble. Then you go down to the number five spot and you see Devontae Adams, wide receiver. With 115 receptions, 149 targets, 1,374 yards, 11.9 yards average per touch, 18 touchdowns. So he plays a very vital part in the passing game for Green Bay. 98.1 yards a game, one fumble, one lost. Yards after catch, 592. We're not done yet, though. Here's the other weapon. Tyreek Hill, Kansas City. 87 receptions, 135 targets, 1,276 yards, 14.7 yard average per catch, 15 touchdowns. As long as 75 yards, 85.1 yards a game, no fumbles. And after that, you know, well, Cole Beasley coming down at the number two, the 23rd best receiver, statistical wise. 82 catches, 107 targets, 967 yards, 11.8 yards average per catch. yards per game, zero fumbles, zero fumbles lost. So there is the makeup of what we're looking at in the playoffs. So it looks like the passing game is going to be a very reliable passing game for each team. However, like I said, when it comes down to Tampa Bay, I'm still going with Tampa Bay. I'm still going with Green Bay over Tampa Bay which I forgot to mention, Mike Evans comes in at number 18, statistically. 16 games played, 70 catches on 109 targets, 
1,006 yards. So he plays a very vital part. 14.4 yards per average per catch. And he ended up with a total of I can pull that back up. Total of 13 touchdowns on the season. So, the passing game is going to be an important part, but at the end of the day, when it comes down, like I say, to Green Bay versus Tampa, I think the running game plays a big vital part, which I give the edge to Green Bay in that game. So this is going to wrap up my podcast for this session. I hope you enjoy the, I guess you can pretty much call it the tribute to Hank Aaron because it was all about Hank today. Hope I did just enough to get you set up for the NFL playoffs. Check back again with me on Monday because we will have the wrap-up of the NFL playoffs and see which teams are going to the Super Bowl. And next week, we'll probably talk more in-depth about each team that's going to the Super Bowl because it's going to come down to just the two teams. And we'll break them down statistically, who the key players are, who the X factors are. And probably most likely, I will probably have have me another co-host. But until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. This is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith, signing off. Have a blessed day.